Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, book by book, chapter by chapter. Looking at Zechariah chapter 10 today, it really does feel like this is a new section of Zechariah. I mean, we saw that last time with that well-known chapter 9 that has that connection to Palm Sunday, right? Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and humble. Right? And and so, you know, we, we see that, and okay, right, that sounds familiar, but I mean, what's going on in this new chapter? You've got, um, you know, this this really condemning oracle here that continues in chapter 10. The household gods utter nonsense. The diviners see lies. They tell false dreams. And then more than that, the shepherds will be punished. Which shepherds are we talking about here? So, yeah, very interesting. The shift, the situation seems to have shifted. This doesn't feel like the first part. What are we to make of it? So, joining us today, we've got one of our regular guests. We've got returning Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. Welcome back, brother. How's it going this morning? Oh, good to be back, and things are going well. Uh, uh, nice weather up here in North Dakota, at least from our point of view, it's good weather. So, <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Yeah, no, it's, it's all it's all relative, right? I mean, uh, it's kind of <laughs> ironic. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this first verse, right? Ask rain from the Lord, right? And uh, well, that's actually what we have down here in Southern California, um, which is you know really needed because we. I, I think it didn't rain once last month which was just like really really weird so um you know just uh but yeah so it's it's uh god gives us what we need right right and he gives us a a chapter that we that we needed even if we didn't realize it right i mean chapter 10 it's uh these these chapters are they aren't they just really different from like the first several chapters i mean like the first six chapters you think you're reading revelation and then it's like well now what happened here we're not in kansas anymore all right right in fact you know what's even more amazing you look at especially chapters one through eight you know, they can at least be dated to some extent. It's like, okay, we know when these prophecies are, are being, you know, uh, given and what they're referring to. But then starting with chapter 9 all the way to the end of the book, you really don't have um, specific times and places being mentioned. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of Old Testament language, Old Testament places, Old Testament nations, but, but they're being used as types to talk about uh, what's coming in the future. And, of course, we'll get, in, right. get into that in detail when we get into these sections. But, uh, but you know, we, uh, obviously, as you had in, in Chapter 9, uh, last week, and then as we'll see in in the coming chapters, ten and following, uh, there are definite references here uh, to Christ and and what He will do to 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 redeem us not only from false teaching, uh, but but from the ultimate slavery uh, that is our own sin against God. So uh, a lot right. to learn from these chapters. That's right. Yeah. So it, it feels really different when you're looking at that. You know, level one. What's the historical situation? It's it's trickier. Um, but as you were saying, regardless, it, you really um, all all of these do really speak to Christ. And, and 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 like you were saying, like I mean, any talk of shepherds and leaders, like y- you know where it's it's going ultimately. We'll we'll see if we can make sense of uh, how we get there. Though will be the challenge <laughs> today. So let's go ahead then and and dig into this chapter only 12 verses but uh we'll we'll have plenty to discuss today as we get started would you say a prayer for us and for everyone listening today 
Yes, Heavenly Father, we come before you today, and we thank and praise you for, for all the ways you provide for us, uh, uh, giving us all that we need for this body and life. And Lord, e- even when you do allow difficulties, uh, whether it's uh, uh, you know uh, lack of rain or 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 fear of a, a of a virus going around, uh, we, we know that we our ultimate security is uh, the uh, in the salvation you've provided for us through your Son. That that at the very least we can know that that you are our Savior, and that in the midst of life's difficulties, we know that through your Son we have forgiveness of sin, and and the hope of the resurrection and eternal life. So so Lord, as we look at these uh, uh, verses today, uh, help us to see that 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 underneath them. Uh, and uh, uh, surrounding them is the hope that we have in your Son and the victory he ultimately gives us in his death and resurrection for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I think we're going to see a few things that really, um, well, I mean, (laughs) uh, you get this scatter word which is going to come up, and it is interesting how... um, these these last few chapters of Zechariah do come up in a couple big ways in the New Testament. So especially oh, yeah. thinking about the passion and death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. So, yeah, great stuff for us today. Um, for all of us, no matter where you're at, we welcome all of our uh, new listeners who haven't uh, left their house because you're so stockpiled behind walls of toilet paper and paper towels that you can't get out to your garage. Uh, welcome. You, we have a, a stockpile of podcasts for you to check out. <laughs> you know, KFU is still going on, and you can always access the online content, um, you know, viruses or not. Um, so, yeah, we, we got here Let's just go ahead and take a look at just uh, the first, maybe maybe we'll go ahead and read the first two verses, because it really is interesting how um, there, there's no, I mean, we, we have a chapter marker, right, in in our English um, translation, and uh, I, I mean, and there is, a, I mean, there is some kind of like a paragraph marker, even in like the, you know, late, later Hebrew text, but I mean, it just kind of just keeps going here. So let, let's just right. kind of bite off a little bit here and kind of see how this links up with things. Because this is, I think, one where the connection to the previous chapter is like a little bit more obvious here. So mm-hmm. here, let's take a look. Chapter 10, first two verses, the book of Zechariah. Ask rain from the Lord in the season of the spring rain, from the Lord who makes the storm clouds, and he will give them showers of rain to everyone, the vegetation in the field. For the household gods utter nonsense, and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. Okay, so it's it really is interesting. It just it just starts off with just a, an imperative. Just just ask, right? It's just kind of like the, there right. it is. Um, and we end up getting to this talk about like a, a shepherd and wandering like sheep, which now there's an idea that sounds a little bit familiar like other stuff, but not for the book of Zechariah. Um, <laughs> that That's the part that seems to kind of be new, though the first part about the rain, that, that actually seems to fit with what was just said in even the previous verse. 
Oh, exactly. I mean, if you look at the very end of Zechariah 9, uh, just, I'm just going to briefly read uh, uh, verses 16 and 17. You know, mm-hmm. on that day, referring to this future day of God's great salvation, you know, on that day the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people, for like the jewels of a crown they shall shine on his land. And for how great is his goodness, how great his beauty, grain shall make the young men flourish, new wine the young women. So, so, so here we see that, that the promise of God's salvation is spoken of in terms, uh, at least in verse 17 of the end of chapter 9, in terms of great uh, abundance. There'll, there'll be grain, there'll be new wine. And so uh, the verse 1 of chapter 10 is almost like, you know, because there is this promise from God, you know, ask him, ask for right. rain from the Lord, and, and he, will, he will respond by giving exactly what he's promised. Uh, he's, he's going to bless you greatly. But then, as you mentioned, there's this sudden turn in verse 2. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. yes, there will be a future great day of salvation, but you also need to know that in the meantime, uh, there are still problems in River City. <laughs> you know, there's still trouble there. Uh, you know, it, there's false teaching, and sadly, there's wandering sheep. Well, see, yeah, and there and there it is, right? It's because um, you do actually have that mention, right, in verse 16, which you just read. Like, you get the word flock there, first time that the word flock has been mentioned in the book of Zechariah. Um, but it's just kind of, it's there as part of the comment. But then the, the, the kind of pastoral imagery just really, it, it becomes the... I mean, prominent thing, really. And you get this wandering sheep, lack of a shepherd. Now, there's the first time you get that shepherd word here. And so, uh, you know, we've seen this before when we were looking at Isaiah. Um, you know, right. you've got this language about, you know, the bad shepherds, and, and we we need a good shepherd, this idea of, uh, which, of course, is something you see in Ezekiel. Um, also, that gets picked up in John, right, in a big way, where it's a, it's a metaphor for the leaders. So, I mean, it's just very interesting that, you know, so far the talk about leaders in Zechariah has been pretty um, positive, right? I mean, because we're talking about, you know, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and we're talking about Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, right? The governor and the high priest, and like the leaders, like, hey, these are these are great leaders, right? Remember, like, we had a vision of them. They were like, um, you know, those those uh, those olive trees with, with, those, um, with those big oil lamps, right? I mean— really right. good things to say and now we're we're talking bad things about the leaders so i mean that does feel like a big change yes and 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 you know this is a good reminder to us that that even though uh, there are many cases where or, where god uh, shows us undeserved favor and blessing uh this side of heaven and even though thanks be to god there are certainly times and places where we do have faithful leaders uh in god's kingdom and and thanks be to god uh uh people the sheep are following their leaders you know we do have uh uh examples of this throughout the the the, the history of the world but at the same time uh, there's also plenty of examples of of false shepherds who are, um, you know, saying what people's itching ears want to hear, and and sadly, uh, uh, sheep that are gladly running after this false teaching because uh, it meets what they want rather than what God wants, and and so here I I think Zechariah is just getting real here. He's saying yes, we have a God who's gracious who will give great salvation, but you know. There, there is the danger that you could miss out on this salvation. 
you could miss out on how, how does that happen? False shepherds and wandering sheep. And, and so there, there's, this, there's this warning that he is, is about to start sharing, that, that there is a definite uh, daily need for repentance. Uh, even for, for Christians who are being faithful, so to speak, uh, we need to remain humble, and we need to live in daily repentance lest we begin to stray. Well, right, and I, and I think you know how you're putting it, which is very helpful. This this idea that you know, yeah, one you know maybe one day we feel like we're very uh, firm and things are going well, and we have good leadership, right? Good pastors and so forth, right? It's it doesn't take long for the straying to begin, and it does seem like this change in Zechariah speaks to the changes and chances of life. How these things can change just really, I mean, rapidly, just from one generation to the next, right? And right. And, and kind of along the lines of what you were saying at the beginning of the hour about how it seems like you know nine and onward in terms of the chapters uh, feels like a really different. Um, time situation, like it just, th- this seems to just highlight that, that, you know, in the first eight chapters, the picture is that people are being faithful. I mean, God has made them faithful. He's stirred them up. He's poured out his spirit, his spirit abundantly, like massive supplies of olive oil for a, for a lamp, right? So, I mean, all the picture of the first eight chapters is like God is making us faithful with an abundance of the Spirit through good leaders. And then chapter 9 and 10, man, you just, you, and we talked about it a little bit, chapter 9 just starts off with this word, Massah, this this um, this oracle word, and it's like this is a whole different, um, I mean, situation here. And it's, of course, as you were saying, it's not like it's a whole different people. Yeah, this is kind of in some ways like a, it almost feels like a cycle. But, but yeah, it does feel like this is sometime later, um, and we talked about this a little bit last time that, you know, especially with the mention of Greece there, that really jumped out at us last time. You know, are, are we talking about the later situation, um, which, you know, at the very end of Daniel, you kind of get spoken of a little bit, right? Because in Daniel, you know, you have that progression where, you know, those last two figures, you get you get Alexander the Great, right? The, right. You know, the Macedonian Empire. And then after him, uh, people variously to say either the Romans or the, or the Seleucids, the, the guys that came uh, in after the Macedonians and all the chaos there. Has Zechariah shifted his attention? And, and now he's speaking to the situation, which was a pretty bad one, right? Um, when the people were dealing with the aftermath of the insatiable conquest of Alexander the Great. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I think he's alluding to the fact, you know, because when you think about, it, you know, the people are back from exile. God, uh, they're rebuilding the temple. You know, things are looking good, but right. but then uh, uh, there's more that's going to happen in the coming centuries, and uh, right. and and I think it's not only referring to the fact that they're going to have their challenges under, you know, Alexander the Great and and the Romans, where sadly uh, many of God's people did compromise during those times. Uh, but I think this is also speaking to the, what we would call, you know, uh, the New Testament age. You know, uh, we're going to continue to have battles against false teaching uh, and and uh, false teachers and, and, and Christians straying after them. And we look at our, the situation of the Church today. Uh, you know, uh, the, uh, this speaks uh, very clearly to that, that, you know, you, you look around uh, uh, Christendom in, in the United States, and, you know, uh, Christianity is certainly not unified in the sense of having 
one faithful teaching. You know, there are many, many false shepherds out there, and sadly, you know, many people who gather them around because they'll say what their itching ears want to hear. So, so these these coming chapters in Zechariah not only speak to to what you know Israel will face in the coming centuries, but what what God's people in Christ, uh, the the, the church, will face th- throughout history. Yeah, that, that's well said. It does seem like. It does speak well to the situation of you know the Macedonians and then the Seleucids, but like you're saying, it just it just kind of continues that sort of situation under Roman rule in the um, earthly life and ministry of our Lord Jesus, and even in today. And, and it's really remarkable how uh, to that point. I mean, just these verses that we read, just the the last two of nine, the first two of ten. Um, this idea of, you know, God's going to send this abundance, but the people wander like sheep without a shepherd, right? What does that sound familiar? Matthew chapter 9, right? When he saw the crowds, right. he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, right? So, I mean, like, Wow, same situation, right? God's sending a plentiful harvest, right? But the the problem is the, the sheep are wandering. I mean, it's the same situation. It's so similar. I mean, even even the pray earnestly, right? Ask rain from the Lord, right? So, I mean, it just seems like um, the Lord Jesus is like, uh, I mean, it's such a striking compliment to the to these four verses we we just looked at. Right. And, and even though, and we want to make sure we don't push this uh, st- uh, uh, to the point of, uh, of where we're straining interpretation here, but in verse 1, even though here the Lord is asking for, you know, pray for uh, a, a physical blessings, rain, uh, yeah. uh, vegetation in the field. But, but it's interesting, in the New Testament, uh, there are times when the Lord talks about spiritual nourishment in terms of yeah. physical means, you know, mm-hmm. uh, bread from heaven, or I, I think in First Peter, yeah. you know, crave pure spiritual milk. So, mm-hmm. you know, especially as, as Zechariah goes on in this chapter to talk about spiritual uh, problems and the spiritual solution to them, uh, you know, it, it's, I don't think it's pushing it too far to say that when God says, ask for rain, ask for, you know, provision, it, it's not merely give us this day our daily bread, it's also mm-hmm. forgive us our sins. Right. Well, well, you know, no, I don't think I don't think it's pushing it. I mean, like the Gospels themselves do this, right? I mean, it's it's in uh, Luke and Matthew that you have kind of laid out for us side by side, right? You know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst in Luke, right? right. And then in Matthew, uh, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, right? I mean, so the Gospels themselves connect the idea of um, needing the physical blessings from God and also needing the spiritual ones from God. And so when you have, you know, in Zechariah, um, you know, ask for rain, and then in, I mean, because actually the word here in Matthew that we just uh, looked at in Matthew 9, there at the end of Matthew 9, um, I mean, it, it's just another word for ask again that, that we translate right. as pray, right? And we translate it as pray because it's the context of asking God, but it's, it's ask again. Um, it it really I think especially, is. especially, you know, Jesus' words, you know, um, Ask and you receive, you know, this right from yep. the Sermon on the Mount. Yep. Exactly. Seek and you will find. And then I, I love it, you know, seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, there's that whole there of, of, of you know, the, the, the ultimate uh, blessing from God is, is not physical, but what he provides for us through his son. 
Well, yeah, yeah, that that they that they they both are are in view. That it's it's not yeah. one to the exclusion of, of the other, and, and we we can't go. I mean, we we, we can't go uh, fall off into either either side of the the ditch there. But well, let, let's go ahead. We're gonna because I think this this parallel that we're looking at is only about to burst open even more here. Let's take a look at a few more verses here, picking it up at verse three. My anger is hot against the shepherds, and I will punish the leaders. For the Lord of hosts cares for his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them like his majestic steed in battle. From him shall come the cornerstone, from him the tent peg, from him the battle bow, from him every ruler, all of them together. They shall be like mighty men in battle, trampling the foe in the mud of the streets. They shall fight because the Lord is with them, and they shall put to shame the riders on horses." Okay, so yeah, another little uh, twist here. Um, I mean, yeah, so we have more of this idea of, you know, the shepherds have been bad, they need a shepherd, um, you know, seemingly speaking to this kind of the chaotic situation um, that seemed to arise, you know, after Alexander died and everyone was just, you know, vying over, you know, chunks of his of his empire, right? Um, and that really ended up hurting um, God's people in Judah. But... But then, right? It's a uh, this, this battle language, like you know, we're gonna we're, you're gonna go from like a a sheep and a flock to a a majestic battle steed. You know, that's there's a transformation, right? Um, I, I'm I reminded of like in Shrek, where you know, like uh, the donkey's like she called me a steed, right? Uh, um, so and and just I mean the language, right? Cornerstone, tent peg. Um, okay, well that that sounds maybe okay. That sure we can kind of see that, but then battle bow right you know mighty men in battle so i mean there's going to be some kind of battle here and and that really complements what we saw in chapter nine right when it said here i have bent judah as my bow i have made ephraim its arrow i will stir up your sons o zion against your sons o greece and wield you like a warrior's sword it, it seems to be speaking again uh to some kind of conflict between these oppressors and God's people. Yes, yes. And and this is why, you know, this to me, this is a good example why we have to read uh, a text like this within the wider narrative of Scripture, because mm-hmm. um, uh, I could understand, you know, uh, especially if you're, you're um, attempted to have selective reading of the Scriptures, I can understand why uh, many of the Jews in Jesus' day uh, felt the Messiah was going to be a military leader. You know, uh, he's going to come and, and kick out the Romans, and yeah. and and so we're we're a bit shocked when Jesus wasn't that kind of a king. You know, right. of course we're we're we're, we're gonna, uh, we already heard about this in in chapter nine. You know, he he doesn't. Uh, uh, enter Jerusalem like a king would, uh, a normal king would, you know, a mighty warrior. Uh, he's coming to fight a different kind of battle. And um, and so, uh, no doubt, verses 3 through 5 do talk about this this great, you know, uh, battle-ready uh, leader who's going to lead his, his people into victory over the enemy. Uh, but but we find out, especially when we, when we get uh, uh, to uh, uh, other verses in Zechariah, not to mention how the New Testament uses them, that, that God is not talking uh, specifically about conquering an earthly enemy here so much as, as conquering the ultimate 
uh, and this is spiritual warfare here. You know, it's it's fighting against the 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 powers uh, of evil and in our own sinful you know, in nature. And, and this is conquered not, not ultimately by military might, but by uh, the, 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 the battle that Jesus fights through his death and resurrection, where he truly conquers the power of darkness. And well, um, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, I mean, absolutely. And I, and I think you, you really get that actually at the end of verse five, when it talks about putting to shame the riders on horses, um, because yeah. then, hang on a second, that's something that we did see earlier in Zechariah, and it's something you see later, too, in Revelation. But hold that thought. we got to take our break here. But everybody, we're looking at Zechariah chapter 10 here on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. with an invitation for your LCMS congregation or organization to become a Church of the Week for a gift of just $595. If you would like, you can split that into monthly gift payments. Also, if you commit to be a Church of the Week between now and Easter, in addition to 35 30-second announcements and your pastor or leader being on one of our programs, we will give you, for your pastor, a beautifully bound Luther's Small and Large Catechisms, compliments of Worldwide KFUO and Concordia Publishing House in St. Louis. This small and compact volume has Luther's seal on the front. The pages are gold-edged, and the inside print is plenty large, even for an older person like myself. So contact me to schedule your week. You provide the information for the 30-second spots, and we'll produce them for you. Our thanks to CPH for partnering with us. Call 314-996-1520 to schedule your week today. Thursday on Issues Etc. We'll continue our series on the doctrines of the Quran with Dr. Adam Francisco. We'll get a review of the movie The Invisible Man with Pastor Ted Geese, and we'll respond to your email and the Issues Etc. comment line, 618-223-8382. Issues Etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Zechariah chapter 10 here, this interesting section that's just, uh, you know, putting it very mildly, of Zechariah here talking about, I mean, it seems like we're talking about this this later situation, maybe dealing with the Greeks and the people who came after them. But as we were just saying, it's a situation that endured to the time of our Lord Jesus and the apostles, and even into our time here, it's not just talking about um, the physical battle, which people really were looking for at the time, uh, right. but spiritual warfare. This was uh, just what we were just talking about here with our guest today, Pastor Thomas Eckstein, pastor of Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota. I want to make sure to invite our live listeners. If you do have a question for me or Pastor Eckstein, give us a call, 1 800 730 2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 314 821 0850. 
or you can always send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. Also want to make sure to thank our underwriters for their support, the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. There are underwriters. Thank you guys. Their website is lhfmissions.org. All right. So, uh, yes, we were, we were just getting to this um, uh, the last little bit there. The riders on horses, right? Uh, of course, you know, it just kind of complements all the kind of battle language and battle bow and, you know, uh, majestic steed and all the rest. But interesting that earlier in chapter six of Zechariah, there was the, the talk of the, the chariots, right? And we had those four different groups of chariots riding out. Um, from the temple, it seemed, or at least the the heavenly analog of the temple, um, we had the the red, the white, the black, and then the dapple gray um, going out in in these different directions. Here, uh, we saw earlier in Zechariah um, the talk about the the horses, and, and there it was interesting because it was a picture of God's sovereignty ultimately over all things and and that there there are angels kind of behind all the physical powers that we see but on the other hand and this is very much like isaiah where you see god using um the physical powers of this world and even earthly kings like he seems to have used um cyrus of persia or how he right. used Alexander the Great, right? I mean, because Alexander the Great, we we talked about this last time. I mean, I mean, yeah, he defeated a lot of Israel's enemies, but he uh, he came into Jerusalem, according to like at least what Josephus says, um, fairly peaceably. Like said, okay, yeah, you guys, you you guys just keep on doing what you're doing. I'm on my way to Egypt. I got bigger fish to fry, right? So so God uses these other powers, but then when they go overboard, when they go too far, he has to prune them back and punish them. And, uh, yeah, that seems like what, what's going on here. It's like, hang on a second. These riders have gotten out of hand, and now we're going to have to remind them about who is really in charge. Uh, absolutely. And uh, so, you know, not only does God, you know, take care of, you know, uh, our, our physical needs, you, you think of how God did rescue Israel from uh, many of their their earthly oppressors. But then, again, there's the bigger picture of of you mentioned spiritual warfare. I think of what Paul says in Ephesians 6, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And uh, But one other interesting thing here, you know, the, the, the fact that he's specifically mentioning Judah here and how this, this great leader, this cornerstone, this tent peg, uh, will come from Judah. Well, as, you, as we all know, uh, Christ himself, is is uh, from the tribe of Judah, and I, I can't help but think that this echoes almost a little bit, you know, um, Jacob's prophecy back in uh, Genesis chapter forty nine. Oh sure, when he talks about Judah, and and it's yeah. specifically this part, you know, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet. Uh, and so you, you, you again have this allusion to Genesis that uh, hey, there's going to be this great savior uh, that will come uh, from Judah, and he's going to be this great leader. But, but it's important for us to remember, especially when we get to the New Testament, that, that Jesus uh, conquers in a way that we wouldn't maybe have initially expected. Well, see, yeah, no, and, and that's and that's really the big thing because because it does seem like the initial fulfillment of this prophecy, right? Your first fulfillment, the you know the uh, typical one, then you know the the type would have been, uh, I mean, the Hasmonean uh, the Hasmonean dynasty, right? It would have been the Maccabean right. revolt 
against the Seleucids, right. right, who are the sons, you could say, uh, of the Greeks, the Macedonians, right, the, the successors. Uh, they were overthrown, you know, by the house of Judah. That you, you had, you know, this um, this new dynasty there, right, um, you know, which was the dynasty that, um, you know, people were supporting. And um, when the Romans came in and put that down, that's what they were, you know, begging God would return, right? And that's what they thought Jesus was going to deliver, that he would restore this, right? Um, and that we would, again, have, you know, this continued rule and autonomy over here. You know, we overthrew the Seleucids, let's overthrow the Romans, right? I mean, so y- you think it's going to be like that, but then the fulfillment happens differently. And it's striking how John puts it in Revelation, because the complement, right, of Zechariah 6 is Revelation 6. And there you have, again, uh, four different colors of horses, right? Right. And and they're given different names. Um, and the last one is given the name of Death, who's followed by Hades, right? And what happens, um, these guys are judged, these horsemen, um, these riders, and they're judged by what? Well, it says there at the end of Revelation 6, the wrath of the Lamb, Right, right, which is which is which is really striking because I mean this this is to your point then, what sounds like okay on the one hand like God is, you know, dealing with these physical circumstances, um, but there's this spiritual element behind it where even though our Lord didn't come as like a visibly physical conquering hero, I mean the description of Revelation again and again is that He conquers, He conquers, right? right? He conquers death in Hades, right? And he conquers the the things that represent death in Hades um, in this world, right? So the the writers, they are being defeated by Jesus, and he is a conqueror, just in a way that you didn't see physically. You only see it apocalyptically um, from a spiritual perspective. Right, right. And, you know, there's other ways that, that um, the New Testament talks about this, too. I, I think uh, a similar example would be in John 8, when Jesus, you know, the truth will set you free. And the response is, well, what do you mean free? We haven't been slaves yeah, of, right. of anybody for a long time. And, and then, you know, his point, whoever sins is a slave to sin. You know, Jesus says, hey, you're thinking of physical bondage. I'm talking about a greater bondage from which you need to be redeemed. You know, and, and so you, you get that a lot. Uh, uh, in, in Jesus' ministry and in his words. Yeah, sir. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I mean just even, you know, um, you know, in the questioning with Pilate, right? I mean, this is all stuff that we're going to be uh, talking about and looking at a lot during the season of Lent, right? But the questioning with uh, with Pilate, right? And he says, like, my kingdom is not of this world. And then Pilate's like, so, so you are a king, right? He didn't say, no, I'm not a king, right? Like, no, I mean, because he is, right? And, and this is the, the tricky thing, right? I mean, it's like, the Lord Jesus is is never denying that he's the Son of God, that he's the Messiah, right. that he's the King. It's just that nobody's really ready to understand that. They, they we're not right. our picture is not big enough. You know, we we think that Son of God means he's going to rule over this tiny corner of the Middle East when it really right. means over the universe. And, and it's just right. nobody nobody's ready for that. Right. In fact, even in Zechariah 10, where there is all this, um, you know, poetic military language, in verse 2, you know, God makes it clear that the issue here is not merely that you're innocent victims who are being oppressed by a foreign enemy. It's really about you need to be delivered from false teaching. 
You know, right. you know the, the household gods utter nonsense. You know, uh, uh, they're telling fa- you know false dreams, and you're, you're wandering from me. And so, you know, right. even here, uh, Zechariah is giving this implication that what you really need to be delivered from is 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 the lies of the evil one, who is you know right. leading you into spiritual slavery. Well, no, that, that, and that's that, that's good to remind us back of that, right? Because he did have that back in in uh, verse two there, the household gods, um, which is. I mean, it's just so striking, but it's good. You're like, hang on a second. Are we back in Isaiah here, right? You know, are we talking about, you know, back when this is like everyone brought all their little idols from from Babylon, right? Like, what's going on here? Um, but we remember when we looked at Daniel again, um, you know, it, during that Seleucid period, you know, I, I mean, literally, Antiochus IV, he, he made uh, Judaism, I'll just say for now, um, illegal i mean it was illegal right. to have a copy of the torah it was illegal to circumcise your children I, I mean it was it was encouraged to here here's a here's a statue of zeus right um i right. mean so they were falling into another period of idolatry and so as you're saying it, it's not just that they were being physically oppressed um, which was i mean i mean like we said back in daniel i mean the physical oppression the the violence the death toll was unspeakable um, but but there was a spiritual element to it as well, and it just it's so striking how when our Lord Jesus then comes onto the scene, you know, uh, you got some people who want him to be all one. They want him to be, um, you know, just all physical, like the zealots, like let's overthrow the Romans. You got people who want him to be all the other, which you you right. might in some ways say are the Pharisees, right? That that they're just all about you know uh, you know wanting to be you know clean and pure and. And spiritual, but um, you know they don't want to, want to get their hands dirty and actually reach out to the tax collectors and the prostitutes. But it's in the Lord Jesus that He puts the two together—the spirit and the body—the way that God created it in Genesis, and He puts it together in this thing called the Kingdom of Heaven, aka the Church. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And and uh, you know it's interesting. Even in, I don't want to get too far into this because we have more to read. But you know, uh, uh, even though uh, as Christians uh, living now, two thousand years almost after Jesus, even though we focus on uh, you know the fact that we have forgiveness and the hope of eternal life, uh, and that's wonderful. But but God also wants us to continue to engage the world. You know, He doesn't want us to sit and watch the world burn around us and say, well, at least I'm saved. You know, <laughs> you know. But we we are to to reach out and bring. His, his healing word uh, to uh, uh, those who are, are poor in spirit and, and sheep without a shepherd. We, we want to reach out to those people still in the world That's today. Right. Yeah, and, and ideally those, those physical sacraments that we have, right, tether us to the physical world and remind us that it's good and that God has something for it, it has a blessing for the physicality, right? For the body, certainly, certainly. Yes. Well, as you said, uh, let's go ahead and, and press on here. We have a few verses yet. So picking it up here at verse 6 then. I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them, and they shall be as though I had not rejected them. For I am the Lord their God, and I will answer them. Then Ephraim shall become like a mighty warrior, and their hearts shall be glad as with wine. Their children shall see it and be glad. Their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. All right. So, um, you know, kind of very, I guess pretty similar to what we've seen so far. I mean, the thing that just stands out at me, though, is that it, for all the mention of Judah here, we've got two mentions here of the northern tribes, which have just had right. the 
the worst experience, right, of everybody. I mean, and this year's really, this stands out, again, um, compared to the first eight chapters of Zechariah, right? Back in chapter 9, that was the first time we had the mention of Ephraim, I believe, um, in the book of Zechariah. And here, yeah, Ephraim and Joseph both mentioned, of course, referring to basically the same people. Um, but it's like the whole people of God here is getting reconstituted, right. which... I mean, okay, you know, it's, uh, again, there is there is a physical level to all of this that, yeah, there is, you know, um, you know, kind of a return from, from diaspora, kind of like physically following all this um, aftermath, right? I mean, of course, why did Pentecost work the way it did? Because in, in the time of our Lord Jesus and the Apostles, uh, you had Hebrews from all over the world coming back, right? So, yeah, right, physically exactly. that was going on, but... But isn't it just striking, though, how in our Lord Jesus, right, how many apostles does he pick, right? Not not like, not one or, or three to represent, like, the southern tribes of Judah, Simeon, and Benjamin or something like that. He picks right. 12, right? All yeah. 12. And he, and he, like, he bases himself in the north, in Ephraim, in Naphtali, in, I mean, he's up there in the north, not forgetting at all about the northern tribes and um and of course watered wine so i mean it's just it, it's just really remarkable how the the shift here the the thrust is is going northward which i feel like really anticipates the reconstitution of god's people in christ right and like you said not only did that happen in 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 an earthly sense when when uh, various jews came for pentecost and of course uh, uh it's no coincidence that jesus chose 12 apostles. But then as you read on in the Gospels, and especially get this with Paul, you know, Israel is much bigger than just the ethnic descendants of Abraham. <laughs> we, we, we suddenly have all the nations who are being grafted in. And, and we're going to get this later on when it's like, boy, when I bring God's people together, it's not even going to be room for them. The, 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 there's not the Holy Land won't be able to contain everybody. So you almost get this prophecy that, that suddenly now the, the Promised Land becomes the whole new creation, you know. And, yeah. uh, and so, you know, not, not, not only does God reach out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, but, but Israel kind of is, expands and fulfills that pro- prophecy to Abraham, you know, through your seed all nations will be blessed. Yeah, yeah. No, that that's well said. Because it, it is interesting. We saw the same thing in Isaiah, right? Because even when, on that local historical level, when he's talking about, you know, the, the northern tribes being brought and, and all the peoples of the earth being brought, it's through the north, right? I mean, that and that's kind of the mystery that God allows the northern tribes to, to just be, I mean, just brought to nothing almost, so that when they resettle, they bring back all of these Gentiles with them. And, and among right. them, you, you get Gentiles who actually start to, to fear the Lord and join themselves to Israel, right? So the northern tribes become the point of entry for the Gentiles, right? And, 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 there, and there's kind of the mystery that he allows the, the, the northern tribes to, you know, you might say, die in that, so that when they are raised up, the Gentiles are raised up with them, you know? So it, it really is interesting because I, I think to your point— when you have this talk about the, you know, the gent or the northern tribes like Joseph and Ephraim, this is it almost becomes like a metonymy for for the Gentiles, right? Like if, if as yes. Paul says, we are adopted into the people of Israel, you'd say, well, like, well, what tribe are you from? 
well, maybe you say we're from the tribe of Ephraim. You know, I mean, this, this is the idea that God's bringing us in and the fulfillment that Joseph would be bountiful is, is uh, ultimately seen through the, the incorporation of the Gentiles through Pentecost and these things. Um, let's go ahead. I want to get to the part you just cited, though, because <laughs> it talks about the nations and there being no room for them. Let's just go ahead and lay the rest of this out on the table here um, as we as we kind of put the last pieces together. So the rest of the chapter, picking it up at verse 8. I will whistle for them and gather them in, for I have redeemed them, and they shall be as many as they were before. Though I scattered them among the nations, yet in far countries they shall remember me, and with their children they shall live and return. I will bring them home from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria, and I will bring them to the land of Gilead and to Lebanon till there is no room for them. He shall pass through the sea of troubles and strike down the waves of the sea, and all the depths of the Nile shall be dried up. The pride of Assyria shall be laid low, and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. I will make them strong in the Lord, and they shall walk in his name, declares the Lord." So, I mean, just that language, right? This is this is like Isaiah, right? I mean, just this idea of a second, uh, a second Red Sea crossing, a second Passover, right. a second delivery from Assyria, right? Like all of Isaiah's language um, here, and it's just we're going to do this one more time. We're going to do this yet again when pe- God's people are just brought back from all over the place, even after just, I mean. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the the Macedonians, I mean, just, just going on the list. Even after all that, God's going to do this again. And if you thought that you saw something with Moses, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, and I can't help but think, even though he's talking about this in terms of, of the historic Israel at that time, you know, again, there's a bigger global picture. Because yeah. I, I can't help but think of of. You know, when we think of scattering among the nations, we, we, we certainly do think of how Assyria wiped out the northern kingdom and many of it. Right. But th- there's even a bigger scattering. You think of the Tower of Babel, you know, mm-hmm. where, where, where God, uh, it, part of his way of humbling them is to, you know, to, to, to spread them out over the whole earth. And, and uh, so that why they would ultimately seek him. You know, what Paul talks about that in his, his uh, um, sermon uh, to the people in Athens in Acts 17. And, and so, you know, when you read this in, in light of Genesis, it's interesting. Even though Israel is God's chosen, it was always his plan to, to, to bring all humans from Adam uh, into his his kingdom called Israel. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, we, we see this, like you said, fulfilled uh, you know, at least in a small way, uh, when when Gentiles uh, embraced the God of Israel, um, you know, through the uh, the witness of the northern you know uh, uh, Jews, and uh, and then of course you know J- J- Paul's language about in, in in Romans chapters nine through eleven, and Paul about uh, God grafting uh, the Gentiles uh, in, in, into Israel. You know, it, it's all alluded to here in in, in Zechariah. Yeah, it really is, and. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting too that the idea of, well, I mean, just we, we looked at Joshua not too long ago. Um, where, where does it say he's bringing them back, right? Um, which is which is kind of striking because uh, here in Ep, you know Ephraim, right? Ephraim, we we looked at that's the hill country. That's 
um, pretty much immediately north of Judah. I mean, you know, technically there's Benjamin intervening if memory serves, but um, it's it's um, it's cis Jordan, right, west of the Jordan. Um, but right, where where are, the, where are these people are being settled? Right, it says there. Where where was it here? It was. Um, it was in verse 10 there, right? In the middle of verse 10. I'll bring them to the land of Gilead and to Lebanon until there's no room for them, right? So Lebanon, again, we, we've seen is kind of a, uh, almost a poetic way of talking about the north, right? You got that right. like mountain range that runs up to, to Mount Carmel, right? Um, and then on from there, even further north. So he's going to settle them in the north. And then where's Gilead, right? Well, that's also the, the mount, another mountainous area, but this is the one that's to the east, right? on the Transjordan side. So it, it's like, yeah, okay, so I've got Judah, but it's not just about Judah. The, the area to the north of Judah, the area to the east of Judah, right? I'm going to mm-hmm. just, I'm going to fill it up. I'm going to fill up all the space, right? All the all the space that was, I, that I promised you guys, right? Back um, back through Moses and back through Joshua that we, we just never could take possession of, right? Well, I'm going to I'm going to take possession of it now. And I'm going to fill it to the brim with these Gentiles who are being adopted, right? right? Till, till there's no room, right? And it's just, it's so interesting the way it puts it there, right? It's like, uh, you, you almost read that as a negative, but it's like this idea of it's just, we're, we're, we're overflowing, right? The cup runneth over, right? It's like we have too much blessings. We don't even know what to do with it. It's too much of a good right, thing. Right. And I think this is where, you know, uh, other uh, uh, scriptures in the Old Testament, too, talk, talk about this, the fact that, that ultimately Mount Zion, uh, the, uh, the, the land of Israel, expands, and, and all creation becomes the promised land. And you get this especially yeah. in, in the book of Revelation. You know, uh, it, you think the Old Testament blessings of God are great? Just wait. Just wait. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, it's like, you know, um, well, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in Isaiah, we saw how the the whole idea is that, like, Judah or even Israel in a certain sense, like, um, becomes like the temple for, like, the whole world, right? Or even or even there, like, in, um, in Joshua, when it's being laid out, um, it's almost this idea that the 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 new tabernacle right is that promised land right but if that's just the tabernacle then what's what's the promised land really well i mean it's the whole the whole earth right i mean which right. which really gets at the uh at the, the the kind of play on words then in the sermon on the mount when it says you know blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the well what is that land yeah. earth well yeah kind of kind of both right i mean on the one hand right. um it, it means land right we, we finally inherit the land that we've been promised been wanting for all these generations but ultimately we see that the whole earth is kind of ultimately just an extension of israel right and and that's why right. you get in revelation this gigantic jerusalem that's i mean you know like the size of a continent basically right i mean it's just right. the, the, the picture keeps getting bigger Yes, it's a. I think of Second Peter, you know, uh, chapter three, where we're looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth, uh, the home of righteousness, and and so it's this. Uh, uh, we look at this place where where the, the whole world is is healed, and and uh, you know, paradise has has uh, you know transformed everything, and uh, so uh, you know that's why I think. And I, I, there's a lot of sincere Christians that, that uh, you know, trust in Jesus, but sadly have been misled into thinking that, you know, our hope is, is not this, this new creation that we have in Christ, 
you know, ultimately. But, you know, the, the focus on, well, you know, Israel came back uh, to the land in 1948. You know, the, the focus is on this, you know, piece of land over in the Mediterranean when really, you know, as we read this and, and see how it's fulfilled in the New Testament, you know, um, uh, it, it's, it's not pointing to, to, to a, a literal physical you know, uh, return to, to the land, you know, at some time in the future, but ultimately to to Christ being Israel reduced to one and, and all that he will do to redeem us from, right. from sin and, and, uh, and, and promise us a, a new heaven and a new earth. Well, you know, and that's and that's very well said. I mean, just as we were saying at the beginning of the hour, that you know, we you got these uh, these bad shepherds, right, who are causing the sheep to wander. That we have that today, and um, we wander onto the side of uh, looking all physical, like we're expecting, um, you know, Jesus to like come with the battle bow and reestablish the the Hasmonean dynasty, right? Um, or on the other hand. We we try to like go like um like super spiritual right like um you know kind of like the super apostles that that uh that Paul was dealing with right where it's just well just forget all the talk about resurrection and the body and the body doesn't really matter guys I mean Jesus is all about spirit right and and, and so you fall off on that side right but it's just in this picture the the two are 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 married the two are are joined together right just the, the same way that you know God didn't. Make Adam just dust or, or just wind, but he breathed his breath into the right. dust that he formed. Right, and this is this is the beautiful picture. It's a res- resurrection picture. It's not like a, a a Greek kind of floating around in the forms picture. It, it's not um, you know or just kind of a, an ordinary um, you know Semitic background of like you know we're just going to conquer stuff. It's it's both. It's sacramental. It's the legacy of the church. Just um. Maybe just like a half a minute or a minute left here, but just zooming out here, just um, concluding comments here as we look back at Zechariah 10 here. Yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, when we read this chapter, obviously you, you have to read it in light of not just the, the whole book of Zechariah, but also, you know, we, we believe that ultimately Scripture itself is a unity. You know, it, it, uh, the, all books uh, are connected in one way. Uh, of thinking about it. And so, you know, what, what we can take away here from uh, Zechariah chapter 10 is that, that uh, we have a God who has blessed us immeasurably, not just with physical blessings, but ultimately in Christ. And yet uh, we're still living this side of heaven. We're, we're living in a world where the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so the need to be aware that there are false gods out there, that there are false teachers out there, that we are prone to stray. And, and so living in daily repentance and faith in the one who is the cornerstone, the tent pig, who, who will, you know, ultimately bring us uh, uh, salvation uh, that God intended for, for his whole creation. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, brother. Um, great to, to look at this uh, challenging chapter, but so much good stuff in it. Looking forward to having you on again real soon. Bye-bye. Everybody, that was Pastor Thomas Eckstein, Pastor Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, North Dakota, looking at Zechariah chapter 10, the, the spiritual and the physical together, the sacramental. Um, certainly something that is going to be a challenge as we um, look at this kind of whole thing with the virus and questions of meeting together. Big stuff. Till next time, everybody, Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. 
Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.